0: Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to Let Freedom Rain Podcast. Before we get started, I just want to let you know, this episode is brought to you by Buckaroo Media, a digital marketing company that focuses on social media that cultivates relationships between brands and their customers. Buckaroo Media prides themselves on building genuine and authentic connections. Digital marketing doesn't have to be overwhelming or overly time-consuming. With Buckaroo Media on your team, you're free to focus on the areas of your business which you're most passionate about, and let Buckaroo Media handle the rest. Check them out on Instagram at buckaroo.media or Facebook at Buckaroo Media. For more information about Buckaroo Media and how they can grow your Western brand, visit buckaroomedia.com, B-U-C-K-A-R-O-O-M-E-D-I-A.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Rain, an equine industry-leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance, and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome, everybody, to another week here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. As many of you know, when this show first started, we wanted to share our love for horses, horsemanship, and helping others. As our show has continued to grow, never did we think we would be having a conversation with a woman of Jody Morton's caliber all the way from Australia. Jody has literally traveled thousands of miles horseback to bring mental health awareness to some of the more remote parts of Australia and the United States. Jody was previously featured in episode forty two where she explained why she wanted to take her goal horseback. But in this episode, all of her travels in the United States are done, she has returned back to her home in Australia. And she will now provide us a little update on how things went after completing her goal and looking back at her experiences. Take a moment now to find Jodi on Instagram at Green, Gold, and Blues. There she does an incredible job documenting all of her experiences out on the trail. Should you find this content valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Rain Podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our follow-up conversation with Jody Morton. Have your travels back to Australia been?
1: Um, You've been back two weeks oh now, right? Um, no, not even one and a half. A uh, little bit over one and a half. It'll be two weeks on Monday. Gotcha. So it's just it's flying. Everything's happening so. So quick. Um, Oh, my gosh. I can't even tell you how freaky driving on the left-hand side of the road was. I was... (laughs) So (laughs) we did that one
0: year. We were we took a cruise, and I want to say we were in the Cayman Islands. And everybody... So when you go on a cruise, right, there's all these excursions you can prepay for. And everybody in the group... We were with a decent-sized group of people. Everybody in the group had paid for this one excursion. It was an excursion that us and another couple weren't too fancy on. Mm -hmm. So... We pull into port and it's just dumping rain that day. I mean, just dumping rain. So, we get off the boat and we're like, oh, I guess we'll just see what we can make of it, right? So, we decide we're going to rent a car and they drive on the other side of the road. So, here we are not only driving on the other side of the car, we're now driving on the other side of the road. We're in a country where we have no idea what's going on. Um, So, adventure... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to say the least. But we survived. It makes that one heck of a story. And uh, we get back on the boat later that day. And I guess everybody's excursions got rained out. Oh, no. So the whole group of friends that went to go do whatever, I, I can't even remember what it was. But they were going to go off to their excursion and have all their fun. Nope. They got right back on the boat and just sat in the port all day.
1: Oh, uh, that's that's what we like to call less than ideal. So,
0: yeah. We ended up, uh, where do we end up? We ended up at like a sea turtle sanctuary, I think at one point on our little self-excursion.
1: Oh, did you get to feed them like that little lettuce type seaweed? Because I did that when I was in Tanzania as well and it was just the coolest.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. They had like pools where they would swim like right up to you and you could hold. I mean, they were just itty bitty baby ones, but you could hold them and they'd be flapping around and it was crazy. Just a whole Uh, different side of things.
1: That's so cool. but. Yeah, because I like I switch sides of the road every year, so it's relatively (laughs) normal. And usually it takes me, yeah, usually it takes me like fifteen. Just don't tell your insurance
0: provider, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't think they'd really care too much because it's not really something that normal people do. Yeah, true, (laughs) true, true. um, Yeah, usually it takes me just like fifteen minutes. I'm like, all right, cool, I got this. And this year, I worked it out. um, I did over over sixteen thousand miles in the States this year um, wow. between getting my truck in April and coming home in October. And I think that's it. Maybe that's it because I'm like 16,000 miles of being on the right-hand side of the road. And weirdly enough, I feel so much more comfortable on the right-hand side of the road, even though I grew up learning to drive on the left.
0: I was going to say, you talk about <laughs> an established habit, putting 16,000 miles on in that short of a time frame. you're going to get plenty of practice on the right side.
1: Yeah, and the worst part is that my truck's like that column shift, so it's on the right-hand side of the wheel. And now that I'm back in Australia, the gear stick's on the left. Oh, god. So for the, first, <laughs> for the first two days, every time I went to like change gears, uh-huh. I'd like chuck the windscreen wipers on and be like, nope, try again. I was
0: going to say, of, of all the logistics and planning that you have done going back and forth between Australia and the United States, I guarantee that was never addressed. <laughs>
1: something that I thought would be that hard because uh, usually yeah. it's pretty easy to switch but I think just because I spent so much time over there and we drove so much this year I was just I was terrified for the first day I came home from the airport and immediately went over to one of my friends places and usually I'm fine because these are all the streets that I grew up on and I know and I was just like oh my gosh this is terrifying what am I doing which way do I even look when I turn on the road now I'm just going to look both ways a million and be like all right cool both ways yes i was gonna say just take an extra second
0: and make sure a a car's not coming
1: yeah so it was two days but um yeah tristan copped it because i was on the phone to him and i was like what am i doing with my (laughs) wife
0: i was gonna say so let's talk about let in a second we'll kind of recap you were originally featured here on the the podcast in episode 42 when you were here in the states um doing Mm -hmm. your ride on the continental divide trail but of all the logistics and planning, and we poke fun at the fears of driving on the wrong side of the road. (laughs) I mean, you're in the backwoods in grizzly country, and here we are driving at home in the town that you grew up in, and and that's probably the most dangerous thing that you've done in the last year or two.
1: I mean, it's all relative. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, I guess it's true, right? What is dangerous?
1: (laughs) Well, it's hard to say, because even a well, yesterday, actually, I got a question about riding in grizzly country and whether or not I have bells on my saddle. Mm-hmm. And that's not even something that I thought of when I was out there. And that question was specifically addressed at Glacier National Park. In the first two days I was riding there, I had a friend, and I was like, well, we were probably chatting and like just so excited about life that our voices probably scared away every animal within like you know a half-mile radius. That's um, awesome. So my parents
0: recently – well, a few years <laughs> back, they moved up to – um bear country they have black bears up there and my mom was looking up all this research on you know black bears and how aggressive are they when are they more active right how to keep yourself safe and came across an article about you know wear bells when you're out in the woods and my uncle pokes so much fun at my mom and just calls them dinner bells she's like when you're out wandering in the woods all those bears know here comes dinner because you sure as heck ain't gonna be able to run from them
1: well, that's that's kind of what I was thinking, and I, I, don't, I don't know a huge amount about bears. I, I can talk yeah. to you about snakes and spiders and cassowaries and crocodiles and all of that cool stuff that we have out here that um, I think is way scarier in all that folklore than it is in real life, but... Um, then I would go over to the States and everyone's like, oh man, everything in Australia wants to kill you. I'm like, nah, I'm so much more scared of everything here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what, we recently were up in Canada and we stayed at a couple ranches that were relatively remote. And it was kind of nerve wracking to think that, yeah, we're staying in this itty bitty horse trailer in the middle of grizzly country and that grizzly can rip open the side of this trailer anytime it feels like it. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, and I had one of those trail thoughts. So when I was out on trail, every now and then I would just, you know, get to thinking and sometimes like my thought trains took on like a kind of weird path. But I remember there was one day and I just left Lake City and I was going over Snow so This is in Colorado in the San Juans. And um I was just thinking like is sleeping in a tent in the backcountry the equivalent of like pulling the covers over your head as a child? Because realistically <laughs> if there's a monster lot under higher the higher bed... stakes. A lot higher stakes <laughs> <Yeah>. this time. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like pulling the covers over your head when you're a kid. Yeah. Even if there was a monster, it's not really gonna do yeah, much. Yeah. And uh, like, is that the same thing as a tent? Because that tiny little flimsy bit of fabric that I have, I feel so much safer inside a tent than I do cowboy camping. Which, like, if you look at it in a like physical, technical sense, it's yeah. not really gonna do that much.
0: It's funny. You make a good point, though, right? I mean, so many people are uncomfortable just laying down on the ground and sleeping. But if you put yourself behind a 32nd of an inch of poly fabric, then all of a sudden now you're safe.
1: I feel, yeah, I feel so much safer in a tent and I could always just like peek out and see that Thelma was there and be like, all right, everything's good in the world. That's funny. um, Yeah. I don't know. It was a funny thing. I had a lot of weird trail thoughts. I'm going to have to go through my um, photos and videos and see what I came up with because they're just as fast as they come, they go again.
0: Yeah, entertaining nonetheless. So before we get into the lion's share, kind of your update episode, what has taken place since you last recorded in June here, um, let's give listeners just a very brief summary of kind of your motivations in coming over to the U.S. to ride the trail. You know, you did a little bit of riding in Australia, and then we'll get into everything that has happened since.
1: Yeah, so um, I think we covered like this part in the last episode, but I honestly never expected to be this involved in mental health or mental health advocacy. Um, So how all of this started was I was working in corporate. I was actually at Hewlett Packard, a big um, IT company. Mm -hmm. And the year before I'd been working on a ranch in Colorado and I had one of my friends and coworkers uh, pass away, which was really, really um, horrible for everyone on ranch. So she um, unfortunately committed suicide. And then when I came back to Australia, I got back to work and then the following year when I was working in IT, um, I had a grandmother figure, so technically no blood relation, but that was the role she held in my life. And therefore that was the title she got. Um, I lost her to suicide as well. And both of them hit me really hard, but especially my grandma, because I'd seen her only about two weeks before it happened. And then I got into this horrible cycle of just reliving all of the conversations that we had, right, like the last time I saw her, and mm-hmm. going through these hypothetical situations in my mind of being like I should have said this or she would have said this or I wish I'd pushed on, my, on this. Or, and it's just it was detrimental because I, A, was just internalizing everything and just going over all these hypothetical situations which never would have or never will come true. Um, I can't change anything. And it was taking me away from real life. And so there was one day I was sitting there and I was like, rather than feeling sorry for myself, I need to get out and do something about this uh so there was a trail in australia that runs 3300 miles up the east coast and the link between my friend and my grandma was that they were both really passionate about horses and they both lived in rural areas so i decided that i was going to set out on this trail which is called the bicentennial national trail uh as a kind of tribute to them and um like their impact on me their lives but at the same time this trail went through a whole bunch of like wild bush, but it went through a whole bunch of rural towns. And so what I wanted to do was go through all these rural areas and then along the way talk about mental health and just get the conversation going because I know that you've talked a lot about mental health in a lot of your episodes. Correct, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's just a topic that can be really Awkward to start talking about people don't feel comfortable about it. There is still a big stigma, although there's been such a huge shift in how we talk about mental health in the last couple of years, and that's absolutely brilliant. But my theory was the more we talk about it, the more comfortable we are talking about it, and then the more likely the conversation topic's going to come up. And then um, if we're more comfortable talking about it, then someone that is maybe struggling a little bit might feel more comfortable about reaching out and asking for help. And then I went out onto this trail with the idea of if I can help just one person reach out and get help instead of taking the same route as my friend and my grandma, then this whole thing is going to be the biggest success. Like that's all I wanna do, just one person.
0: It's been incredible, you know, all of the effort that you made, literally in in Australia and the US to travel so many miles and and here shortly we're gonna talk a lot about the people that you meet, but we very much believe in everything that you just talked about, right? And the framework of this show and for our regular listeners, right? They get the gist of it. They've been with us long enough for, but the, the, the new listeners and the new following, right? So many of our guests have been so honest and raw with their development in life. And, and we try to portray that despite social media, right? Despite popular media and all the different content feeds that people portray this grandiose lifestyle, right? So many of us have been damaged, bent, broken, dinged up, however you want to phrase it, right? And sometimes people get buried in the minutia of that. But a lot of people are successful, right? And and sometimes it's a small change in perspective that can shift the outcome of any given resolution or any given scenario. So the great part about this show is folks like yourself, right? How you guys so willingly share your testimonies and hopefully... Something that you bring to the table might shed that light on a scenario for just one person. And, and that's kind of how I started this show was a, the same with the same goal, right? If I can change one person's life, if I can help them out of any kind of rut, however severe, right? Then, then we've been successful. And it's incredible how now with folks like yourself, we have an international following and we get messages from all over the world, how people, you know, maybe they were down and out and they picked themselves back up, or maybe they were just beating their heads over something and they couldn't punch through, right, and and get themselves to the next level and how a guest shared some little tidbit of information. And that was just that one stride that they needed. And what I think is great about your efforts is that you get out to the people, right, and you start with the person in front of you is the most important. And if you can affect change on that level, God knows where it's going to go from there, right?
1: Yeah, and I think another thing that um comes from sharing stories is but just going back to the mental health and being able to really talk about it is you have no idea who you might inspire by sharing your story and i know it can be really really scary when you get out there yeah. and kind of get a roar and whatnot but <clears throat> if there's one person out there that is really, really struggling and then here's your story, they can draw inspiration from that and maybe decide to make a change or reach out or, excuse me, help themselves. And I think that's something that we really need to think about when we are sharing stories and being vulnerable because it can have such a positive change among so many people that hear it that feel like they can relate and they're not alone. So that's another big aspect that I didn't even think about when I started this, but it's come forward in all these messages, like DMS that I'll get about people sharing their own stories and saying, um, like I was inspired to reach out from this post cause I've shared or this post cause I've shared a couple of um, people's stories that have written into me with permission along the way. And there's been a couple that are just absolutely incredible. And I draw strength from them on my bad days, so I don't think people that write in really know how much of an impact they're having on me as well.
0: It's incredible how the, the momentum can shift, right? Kind of the ebb and the flow of it. You personally will have some experiences, you'll put it out there and, and it'll help motivate folks. But in return, right, there's days that are tough for everybody. And then all that inspiration that you put out into the world ends up coming right back to you, you know, and kind of pushing you along. It's, it's cool to watch the pendulum swing back and forth as we all push towards progress in this endeavor.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, like I said, there's just so many people out there that have inspired me so much and continue to do so. So one of the people that I follow on social media actually put out a super vulnerable post this morning that I saw right before we started talking. He did like this really, really glorious post that I was reading this morning right before I was talking to you And he was talking about not posting a couple of things for fear of what people might think and what people might say. And that kind of hit a chord with me as well because there have been a couple of things that I've been really hesitant to post about for fear of what other people might say or comments because, I mean, it's social media. You're never going to have 100% rainbows and love hearts in your comments. There's always going to people going be people out there that are going to criticize you. I was going to say, that, <laughs> but, that's, um, the,
0: that's the thing, right? It's so easy to throw that nasty comment out there because it's not personal confrontation, but that's a whole other soapbox conversation for another day.
1: There's no consequences of people's actions anymore, but he, um, he was talking about like one of the hardest things is to treat ourselves with respect and kindness. And I think that's the thing, a big thing with social media as well, that sometimes we compare ourselves to everyone else so often that we forget to yeah treat ourselves with as much kindness as we might treat other people. Um, so And yeah, social media, I had this conversation with a friend the other day as well. And social media, it can be such a good thing, but it can be such a bad thing as well. And it really depends how we use it. So um, actually, I had that conversation with Ben Brooksby, who we'll um, talk about in a little bit, because I'm going to be doing a lot of work with him next year. But yeah, we were talking about social media yesterday when I went up and um, caught up with him and um, like... There's so much good that can be spread on social media and he is a perfect example of that because the impact that he's made on the mental health space in Australia is just phenomenal. He is still what I aspire to be when I That's talk cool. about mental health. But That's great. There's also, yeah, there's also the bad sides because we do, and I'm guilty of this sometimes, we do tend to like post on social media the highlight reel of mm-hmm. the, our lives. hmm and, yeah, I think sometimes it's really important to remember that that is just the highlight reel. So I I have two social media accounts. One of them is a personal one and one of them is this green, gold, and blues one, which I spend 99% of my time on. But, like I said, I'm guilty of that. My personal one looks – it is just a highlight reel because it's all my favorite photos of horses. Yeah. There's a real theme there. It's just yeah. horses. <laughs> but on the green golden blues account I do try really really hard to be real so when I was out on trail this year I had a couple of tough times and I got stuck off trail as well which was really really tough I had a couple of truck issues and I tried to be as real as I possibly could I had a tough time when I was stuck off trail I think I was stuck in Montana for four weeks longer than I meant to be because wow. there was just this oh man, there was this like period of time where I felt that just everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. And, um, it was just one thing after another. And as soon as I was like, yep, yeah, cool. I've got that sorted. Something else would happen. So in a nutshell, um, I put my truck in for a, just a service and an oil change before I was going to go down to Colorado and start that section um, just as a preemptive measure because we were doing a lot of miles, like we we're talking about before. And um, I just put it into the wrong mechanic. And I think what happened was he. Maybe this is my assumptions. This is like there may be no basis of truth in here. However.
0: (laughs) So there's the disclaimer. Now you're good, right?
1: (laughs) However, (laughs) I put my truck in for an oil change and um, I did not get her back for, well, get her back. I don't know. I feel like maybe he heard my accent or saw that I was a single lady coming in. I don't know. But nine days later, she got hauled out of there on the back of the flatbed because on day one, they somehow went from her running, because I literally drove her into the mechanic, to not running at all. And I happened to have a new alternator, new spark plugs, and there was something else which I didn't think I needed for an oil change. Um, But, yeah, we had to haul her out of there nine days later on the back of the flatbed and take her to another mechanic and then pay him to fix everything that – oh, ignition coil, that was the other one. Um, take her to another mechanic, get him to pay for everything that they broke and the kicker was you hadn't even had the oil change yet.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: Um, and so that obviously took a little bit of time, longer than the one day that I thought my oil change was going to take and then I finally got her back and then went to um, – go and hook up my trailer and I noticed that I was just getting uneven wear on my tires on my trailer so I took off another day to go and get my trailer checked out and um, so I thought what did I do I went to go and get the bearings packed because I thought maybe that it might need that Mm -hmm. and then I took it in and they figured out that the whole rear axle was completely wobbly and was moving so it ended up being cheaper for me to get an entirely new trailer than to try and fix that. So then I had to find another trailer. And because I'm not a resident of Montana, I couldn't register it. So I had to then get a friend to help me register it. And in this time I had Bertha I went out with it Bertha's my truck by the way
0: that's her name Um, can we please fill everybody in who Bertha is so they don't think you're driving a friend around
1: (laughs) no, no no Bertha Bertha is my truck um Instagram actually named Bertha so I have to thank Instagram for that but um I went to hang out with a friend we did one more ride in Glacier just as like a farewell and at the end of the day, I called up the, um, the vet and booked in a health check for Thelma so that I could get her health certificate so I could cross state lines and, um, she wouldn't start again. <laughs> so oh, here I had we go! all, all of this going on. And then I ended up getting her started finally and took her back to the mechanic and he's like, well, your options are, cause I have two tanks on her rear tank fuel pump wasn't working and I was trying to turn her on on the rear tank. So he's like, your options are, I could fix that. It's going to be more days, a couple hundred more dollars, or you can go on the front tank. I'm like, that's it going on the front tank. We'll do with one. Called the, <laughs> yeah. Called the vet again. And they like slipped me in in between appointments for an hour's time. So I went back, got Selma and put her in the trailer, went to go and was halfway through Kalispell and the, um, the hitch flipped off. And so my trailer with my horse in it came off in the middle of Kalispell. Not good. Uh, no, what we like to call less than ideal. <laughs> yes. And so, I mean, she was completely fine. We were going at maybe fifteen miles an hour, and I had like, a whole bunch of people help me. But of course, by this point, I had completely ripped all the wiring out of my trailer, and so yeah, it was just it was just a time. So ended up getting yeah that new trailer new trailer is absolutely glorious, and um so finally ended up getting down to Colorado. but all of that took about four weeks by the time you take an extra day out here to go do um tires, which turns into an extra day to get the axle checked out, which turns into an extra day of finding a trailer and then another day of trying to register it and another day of getting new tires on it and you know. It just all added up, and it was taking a huge toll on me because I was thinking, like, I came over here to ride, and this is not riding. And
0: you leave a mechanic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I learned so much about trucks this year. It's insane. That truck broke down on me so many times. The last time I was driving in um, Wyoming, I think it was on I-80, and I went to move over lanes because there was a car uh, pulled off to the side, and then it was at that point that I realized I didn't have any steering, any power steering anymore. And so I ended up getting her off to the side of the road and my tensioner pulley had stopped. So I had to like find a knife and cut off the serpentine belt. So I had no power brakes, no power steering, no air con, which wasn't that big of a deal because I think it was like 40 degrees outside. Um, but yeah, learning opportunity. I called one of my friends on FaceTime and was like, what is happening in here?
0: So a few things. So- a, I'm glad we recorded episode 42 when we did. B, uh, we originally set out to talk about successes on this show, so hopefully we have some of those. And if your story is not a testimony to perspective, I don't know what it is, because most people probably would have just called it quits, left the horse, left the truck, and just flown home.
1: Uh, No, I think this is full of successes, because I learned... (laughs) I learned how to cut off a serpentine belt and what that meant if I do that. And I learned a whole (laughs) bunch about ignition coils and spark plugs. And I blew out two heater cores in the space of three weeks. So, I learned about that. And so, it's just a huge learning opportunity um, on top of learning everything about trail life.
0: No kidding. Absolutely. So, let's talk a little bit about that. So, after our last uh, conversation, our last recording here in June… You set out for these huge trips right up the east coast of Australia. You then come to the United States with similar goals right on the CDT. Mm -hmm. Now that it's kind of all said and done for that first major trip and you had all these goals and you had all these aspirations, how, I mean, how was it? Do you feel like you achieved those? Did you have so much more come of the trip short of all the mechanical issues we just talked about? (laughs) What's your feeling now that it's all said and done looking back in reflection?
1: Uh, so that's actually changed over time. So when I first like hopped off trail, it was my last day I was done, I actually felt like an absolute massive failure. Because In what way? I'd, well, I'd gone into the CD tri- CDT trip wanting to do um, 2,000 miles, which is it's a big ask for um, five months. So that's pretty much on trail. Full time for five months if you're kind of budgeting about 100 miles a week and um obviously I did not achieve that there are a couple of different things that contributed to that one I went into this on a really really high snow year which did keep pushing me back a lot um my first day on trail I got snowed on so hard there's um, a video I put up on Instagram. It's only like four four seconds long, but you can see my horse is absolutely miserable. Thelma has a snow crown on.
0: I was going to say getting and... <laughs> snowed on hard is an
1: understatement. <laughs> yeah, I got snowed on pretty hard. <laughs> and uh, there was one day. It was actually, funnily enough, the first day of summer, and I was in the Beaverhead Deerfoot National Forest. And that was the day that I think Steamboat got 20 inches of snow and I was out there and that morning I was getting snowed on so hard that I couldn't see where I was going. I just tucked my chin into my chest and kind of let Thelma go and she picked her way along the trail. Um, There was only one point where we lost the trail and had to backtrack. But at that point there was so much snow that I couldn't even see where the trail was. Um, I don't have any photos or videos of that first half of the day because, um, I'd been getting snowed on for the couple of days prior as well. And I rely on solar panels when I'm out there just to give my devices a little bit of a kick. And my, I use this app called gut hook on my phone as my uh, navigation. And I have my GPS as well, but gut hooks just glorious. Cause it's got a little red line where my trail is and it's got a little arrow. And when I'm in conditions like that, I just keep my arrow on the little red line and we are good to go but i was so petrified about using up all my battery because my battery and my phone goes so much faster when it's that cold that i don't have any photos or videos of like all of the like really really heavy snow and i am in hindsight kicking myself over that i also was so cold and i didn't want to take my gloves off to take any photos or videos it's <laughs> yeah,
0: just justified in those circumstances <laughs>
1: Yeah, I did that a couple of times along trail. I just wimped out because I was so cold, and I didn't want to take my gloves off because my hands were already hurting. And yeah, just kicking myself because like a couple of moments of being uncomfortable. And now the only um, way I can like share that with people is tell them about it, where I don't have any photos or videos because you know a picture's worth a thousand words. So a couple of my videos, <laughs> a couple of my videos, are some pretty cool essays, but. Yeah, just kicking myself over that, but um, going back to what you originally asked me, <laughs> uh, yeah, I did get snowed on and I got held up in that way. So uh, I didn't, on top of having like mechanical issues and whatnot, and there were a couple of things that I didn't factor in. So when I was coming from Montana, I was about 4,000 feet and then going to Colorado, that trail, the section of trail that I went on was up in between 12 and 13,000 feet and so, um, if I was doing the trail straight from A to B, then you'd have that gradual, gradual acclimation. But because I was flipping all over the place to try and avoid all the snow, I was moving up and down in elevation quite drastically. So I did stop and give Thelma, uh, cause at that point I'd gone from two horses to one horse. I did have to stop and give her time in between to gradually go up in elevation instead of just whacking it from 4,000 straight up to my first night out on trail we were camped at just over 11,000 feet so that would have been a huge hit and that's not fair on either of us so I did take a couple of days to go from 4,000 then we stayed at 7,000 for a little bit and then we went up to 10 and then we started trail.
0: That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So let's talk about your goal, right, was to bring bring awareness to mental health and mental health issues. Let's talk about some mm-hmm. of those conversations, some of those experiences, some of the people you met out on the trail that that maybe had an influence or an impact on you.
1: Oh, my gosh. The people that I've met on trail both in Australia and in the United States are just the absolute highlight. I mean, Selma and I and Tigger for the first couple hundred miles We went some absolutely amazing places that took my breath away. And I have so many videos of me being out on trail, which will probably never be shared on social media where I'm just losing my mind, just being like, this isn't real life. This is too cool. This can't be real. No. Am I dreaming? Pinch me. No, don't pinch me because I don't want this to end. Um, But yet the people were the real highlight and um i've had been able to have a couple of really really great conversations about mental health and a lot of people like i said earlier have shared their stories and just have been super super um like honest and it's been so refreshing we've had i have um two people that one of them i met on instagram and the other one i met through a friend and we've now become super close and we just had the most amazing conversations about just being raw and open and honest and in the moment. And, uh, it's just been absolutely glorious, but speaking about people and people being amazing and meeting people on Instagram, um, I had one, mo- one part of the trail that was tough. So one of my horses, when I was in the Bob Marshall, just pulled up really, really lame all of a sudden. And I'm still not quite sure what happened. My pack horse, uh, we started out the day and everything was great. We were just kind of going down, um, not like a hill, but we were going down a relatively steep gradient. And all of a sudden he just started pulling, like leaning on my rope, which he doesn't do. And I turned around and he was just super, super lame on one of his shoulders. And I didn't have space at that point on the trail to um, get off and go check him out because it was super narrow but as soon as I got to a clearing which luckily for me happened to be a campsite I stopped checked him out and then just stopped for the day and I messaged uh, one of my now close friends uh, who'd messaged me beforehand on Instagram and just said if you need anything just let me know and I was like yeah cool thanks Not thinking that I would actually be taking her up on that seriously. (laughs) Yeah. So I messaged her and was like, I need help. And she (laughs) dropped everything and came in the next day, drove out to East Glacier with her horses and came in with her riding horse, her pack horse, and then a spare pack mule and Bannamine. Because I'd had uh, Bannamine, but it was the intramuscular Bannamine and Mm -hmm. I did not have sharps with me, Mm -hmm. which was a rookie error. Yeah. Uh, so she, she brought in painkillers for him, a spare mule, and then I met her the next morning um, just at one of the ranger stations and we packed everything onto her mule and then took two days to get my pack horse out. And after he had Bannamine, the next day he was actually a lot better, but after he had Bannamine, he was just flying. But, I mean, how amazing is that? Someone that I had literally never met until I saw her in the Bob Marshall with her horses to come and help me get out. I mean, that's that's just a testament to how amazing people are and I've had so many experiences like that. It just blows my mind how amazing humans are.
0: It's incredible and I'm starting to see it, right? There's this whole mystique of the cowboy culture, right, and the Western way of life and all the things that that all of us are doing, right, to help support that and make sure that it stays alive. But it's it's crazy to think that it's international, right? I mean mm-hmm. – I've experienced it in Canada. Here you are a native Australian experience in the United States, right? That there's some of the best people in this world are in this industry, right? This equine way of life and it's just incredible to have have the support, right? There's not a place that you can go where you can't make a phone call or you can't ask for help and I think the greatest part about it is that most of us who do this horse stuff for real, you know, meaning more than full-time or excuse me, full-time, uh more than just a hobby, uh You've had those experiences where you've been down and out or you've been in a pinch or you've been in a bad spot, right? And it's not comforting at all. So when others experience that or have similar experiences, you want to do everything you can to support them, right? To make sure that they don't end up in those circumstances.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think um, when you, like you were saying, we have a community, and it goes more than just we have a shared interest of horses. Like you look out for each other. And I just didn't realize the extent of how much everyone looks out for each other until I have started going out on trail. And that kindness, like you said, it's like international. And I had people go out of their way to help me in Australia. I've had people go out of their way to help me in the States. And it just, I don't know, I think, oh, what song is it? I think it's Luke Bryan where um, I might be like, paraphrasing here but he says the fastest way to lose faith in humanity is to watch the evening news and i'm gonna get the truth
0: yes (laughs) amen to that
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i think the quickest way to regain your faith in humanity is to go out on a trail like this or just get out and meet people because uh, people are so good and it's only like the tiny minority that kind of like it makes us just to get a little bit down about life sometimes because the kindness out there is just absolutely phenomenal and I try and pay it forward whenever I possibly can, but I still feel like I've just received so much over the past year that I don't know how I'm ever going to pay that forward enough, but I'm going to keep trying.
0: It's got to be incredible to think, I mean, of all the contributing factors and or people that helped develop this trip for you, you know, and what I think is most exciting is this just started out is. A napkin idea, right? Oh, this would be cool to mm-hmm. do. And then you take one step, and then that one step leads to another, and then hundreds, right? And here you are,
1: mm-hmm.
0: on basically opposite ends of the the world, right? I think you're eighteen hours ahead of us here. Well, at least me yep, here I in California.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah,
0: that everybody contributed in some way, and some people have genuine vested interest in you. Some people just. Happen to cross paths with you, you know, but everybody buys in and everybody contributes and everybody plays their part to develop the success. I think it's got to be a huge, overwhelming feeling of support for you.
1: Yeah. And this story, it kind of started out being about uh, my friend and about my grandma and about me, but. It's just it's not about that anymore at all. It's about every single person that I've crossed paths with along yeah. the way because they've all made a really significant contribution. So even even the people that just like send a message on a bad day, like there have been a couple of times I've just been having a really bad day and don't think for a second that there weren't times when I was out on trail or when I was stuck that I wasn't like nuts. Nah. this is it. I'm done. I've had enough. there was one day when I was stuck and I had, um, like my truck was playing up and all that hullabaloo in Montana. And there was a point where I was just getting really down about it and being like, this is ridiculous. Like maybe this is a sign that I should just stop. Mm -hmm. And I had one person send a message and I can't remember what it was in relation to anymore. At this point, it'd be buried really deep in my DMS now, (laughs) but uh, it just changed my day and it just gave me that spark again to be like, no, nah, no, nah, come on, don't be a wimp. You got this. Like, yeah, keep going. Yeah.
0: And you want to talk about a spark. I mean, when we talked a few minutes back and you talk about all the issues with your truck, right? The horses going mm. down, all these challenges, unanticipated challenges that you were faced with. Those are all moments that are testing your why. They're testing your faith, mm-hmm. right? Why did I sign up to do this? Why did I step off and take that first, first action and... For you to not lose sight of that, for you not to get overwhelmed, for you not to get buried, I mean, all those things that you described, they'll depress a lot of people, right? They'll shy a lot of people away. It'll turn a lot of people off. But for you to maintain your focus and your drive and fight through those tough times, I mean, it's an absolute inspiration. I've traveled quite a bit with my horse and I know what goes into it. So for you to come over here for months at a time in extremely remote locations, I mean, I have a profound respect for everything that you've done, and it's a huge testament to your desire to help those people, especially in the realm of mental health.
1: Yeah, and I think the the tough times make your achievements even sweeter. So I think I feel a bigger sense of achievement now having gone through all of those problems than I would have if I hadn't had those setbacks. So, And it's like the same thing with life. The things that you that make you work really hard for them are always sweeter than the things that come easy. Yeah, yeah. And so, oh, my gosh, there was a couple of days. So my last couple of days on trail, um, my last three and a half days because I spent seven hours driving to get to the trailhead for my last section and so I started in the afternoon that day. But in the last three and a half days we did 80 miles and had 31,000 feet elevation change. And they were long, tough, cold days. So the second day that I was out there, I just got cold, like that really, really deep cold where you just can't really warm up again. Yeah, you can't shake it. Yeah, and so I didn't really sleep at all that section uh, because I was so cold. And during the day, I was really, really cold. The wind was insane because it was getting towards fall, and I was spending a lot of time up above 12,000 feet. It just – it zapped me, and I remember I was – cold, hungry, tired and sore. But that was one of the best sections I did on trail. It was so good and it was so rewarding. And I have these videos now where I'm like up on top of a ridgeline and you can barely hear anything because the only audio is the wind howling. And there was one day where a gust of wind almost blew me over the edge of that wood, of that ridgeline. Maybe we'll get to that later. I was going to say okay. I've seen.
0: Obviously, I pay very close attention to a lot of your stories, right, and your posts, just to keep mm-hmm. up with your travels. And I mean, some of those trails are stride for stride trails. There is no left and right. It's completely north and south, or you know, and it's mm-hmm. uh, got to be nerve wracking in some some aspect, right?
1: Uh, yeah, there were like, there were definitely times on trail where I had my stomach kind of doing flip-flops and the adrenaline was rushing a little bit. Um, yeah, I won't say for a second that there weren't moments out there where I wasn't scared or nervous, but, um, I think having, having the horse that I had, I trust her with my life. Literally every day I got to go out there and put my life in, well, her hooves, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, and there were moments out on trail where we just had—I wouldn't say like breakthroughs, but just huge leaps in trust. So there was uh, my second day in Glacier. I went over Pigan Pass, and the first day had been beautiful. We'd been dealing with thunderstorms, and it was a little bit nerve-wracking in that sense. Because we weren't sure if they were going to come over the top of us, they were hitting the ridgeline like just on the opposite opposite side of a valley. And um, but it was a beautiful trail, and the thunderstorms ended up clearing, and it turned into an absolutely perfect day. And it was just a glorious trail. And then the next day, I went in thinking that it was going to be the same thing trail wise, and we ended up doing some equine rock climbing, oh, and shit. it was just oh, insane. No. And I remember because I was trying to record things because it was just cool. It was one of those other oh. like days where my mind was just being blown. But we came up to this section of rock and it was pretty much just a five-foot rock wall with like little rock steps in it. And I put my phone away being like, no way, this is, <laughs> this is not cool. Yeah, you need <laughs> and, every um, stitch of
0: balance possible.
1: Yeah, and I'm like two hands for this one, full concentration, going to put the phone away. And then Thelma did the equivalent of, like, roll her eyes at me. She's like, oh, my gosh, this is so easy. This lady put me up to this again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, she just went straight up it. It, Like, it was absolutely nothing. And we had another section in Colorado where I actually stopped and hopped off it because we came to this section where it was just, like, rock, just going straight down. I was like, I don't know about this either. And she came down that like it was absolutely nothing. But – um yeah, I just, I trust her so much more. Cause I was a bit unsure of her before that part in Glacier. And then after that, I was like, I know what you're capable of. I trust you completely. And it's funny because when we're on the flat or like, you know, grassy valleys, she can be a bit of a pill sometimes. Um, she doesn't really concentrate at times or she'll be stumbling or tripping. But whenever we're in sections where it's kind of getting a little bit gnarly. She has a hundred percent focus. She's got one. If you notice in a couple of the videos that I put up where the trail's a little bit gnarly, she'll usually have one ear straight forward and one ear flicking back on me the whole time. And I don't think there's much more you can ask for in a trail. What or a pretty she's incredible so experience. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, so she's she's something else. But there's just that level of trust in there that. Um, that I, I don't think I've experienced with another horse, but then again, I haven't taken another horse over stuff like this. But, yeah, going back to what we were talking about before, that section in Colorado that was cold and windy and tough, was, yeah, it's one of my favorite sections because I had to work so hard to get through it, and I feel like such a big level of achievement on that one. So it is, yeah, one of my favorite sections.
0: So exciting. So now that, now that we're done with kind of version one, of your endeavors, mm-hmm. right? You're kind of no man's land back at home gearing up for a second trip out here to the States. Where, where's the direction of green, golden blues? What is your focus now? What are some things you have coming up in the future year?
1: So the future year, I have a couple of things planned and they're both really exciting. So um, if we're going chronologically, I am planning on being back in the States for April and May. So I'll be presenting at the continental divide trail coalition trail days in silver city in new mexico at the end of april which i'm really really looking forward to but if i need to come over for that then there's no point in just coming over for a weekend so might as well make as it well five make or six, six months right <laughs> uh, oh my gosh i wish i wish so bad i could make it five, <laughs> five or six months No, i'll only be over for two this time but i'm definitely going to come over grab selma and get out on Or not the CDT trail again because it's going to be too early and it's still going to be packed in with snow but Mm -hmm. I have a a couple of other ideas um, of adventures that we're going to go on and I'm going to kind of stick down in the Utah Arizona New Mexico area so super excited about the potentials of that I still need to finalize exactly where I'm going to go but As long as I'm with Thelma, this is going to sound so cheesy. As (laughs) long as I'm with Thelma, I don't really care where we are. (laughs) If I can go out exploring with her, I'm just the happiest human. Um, But the big event that's coming up next year is, uh, I mentioned Ben Brooksby really quickly earlier, and he is the naked farmer over here in Australia who's a huge mental health advocate. And so what? as a quick background, he uh, I was saying, uh, let's let's a spend a little
0: time defining naked yeah. farmer too, so people don't think yeah. he's out sowing corn in his uh, birthday suit.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, he's actually more into like the lentils and sheep side of things. So. Gotcha, gotcha. No. <laughs> no, no corn, but uh, no. So what happened was he put up a photo. uh a, bit a couple of years ago now, and he's sitting in a bunch of lentils, and it looks like he's naked. And he hashtagged it the naked farmer. It was a cheeky photo but it got a whole bunch of attention. And so, um, he's grown up. Um, he's really open with his, uh, battle with anxiety when he was younger, which he's now done a really, really incredible job of overcoming. He's speaking at international conferences now. And gosh, the thought of public speaking in front of 10 people still scares me. He's like I said, my idol, but, Uh, That started gaining momentum and so he started this social media movement called The Naked Farmer and the like tagline, so to speak, is it takes guts to get your gear off just like it takes guts to talk about mental health. So what started as one photo in lentils has now evolved into this international movement and people send him photos all the time of them doing their chores on the farm like butt naked tastefully butt naked and they can't (laughs) say anything but um yeah, and it's all getting behind that movement of just kind of like bearing your soul, so to speak, and getting the conversation started about mental health because if you introduce someone to the naked farmer, that like, you can show someone one of the photos and like, what are you going to be talking about 10 minutes later? Yeah, It's going to go from that and how cheeky it is and the reasons behind it and you then get you're talking comfortable about real mental quick. health. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it just opens up the conversation and gives it such a good, like it's such a good catalyst for talking about mental health because it starts off the conversation with something really lighthearted and then you can move into something um, just a little bit deeper and more serious. So one of my favorite posts that he's ever put up, and it's going to be buried in there deep now, but it was a um, photo that someone had sent in and he said that the naked farmer has helped him so much because he never even realized what his symptoms meant said he was just like really, really tired and lethargic and just down all the time. And he and his best mate were talking about the naked farmer and like they were talking about one of the photos one day. And he said that his best mate opened up and said he was having trouble, like a bit of trouble with anxiety and depression. And he's like, this is someone that I've known since kindergarten. And all of a sudden everything made sense and neither of them had any idea that the other one was struggling at the time. Wow. And he said he felt like it just had this huge weight lifted off his shoulders that not only had he figured it out, like all of a sudden that light bulb moment, he figured it out. But at the same time, he and his best mate were able to talk about this together and support each other through that. And so, I mean, if that's not success, then I don't know what is. So he said, it's just helped so much. So that's what Ben's all about. And what he does is he does this tour, it's called a Naked Farmer Tour. And so every year he'll go out and talk to local communities, local farmers, and share their stories um, on mental health and whatnot, and go out and get the word out in the rural areas of Australia. So last year he went right around mainland Australia. And this year he went right around Tasmania. And so next year's tour, Uh, we're going to team up and we are going to do a tour on horseback and it's a little bit more limited in its area. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So like I said, a little bit more limited in its area because horses don't quite go as fast as cars. Can't quite get the mileage. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, we're only in the initial planning stages. We only had our very first meeting last week, but everything is kind of taking off at a rate of knots and so we're going to be going around southern Queensland and northern New South Wales and um, talking to a whole bunch of farmers and getting out there. And I am so stoked. So this time we're going to be out riding for a month. And um, I think what's going to happen is I'm planning the route. So route, water sources, campsites, all of that. And we are going to be supported, which is going to be really nice. So we're going to be able to do a couple of extra miles. And if we were packing again. Good, um, good. But yeah, and we're going to be able to do a couple of little side trips um, with the, what we call it, a ute over here in Australia, but with the truck. I was going uh, to say, can we define that
0: in English? American English, please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to be going out, um, going taking taking the truck out on little side day trips to make sure that we do cover the type of area that we want to be able to do. Um but, yeah, most of it's going to be on horseback. I'm super, super stoked. And then I had this um, little idea the other day that I kind of threw out there thinking that I was in absolute dreamland. And it's kind of taken on a life of its own and it's making me a little bit nervous. I feel like I maybe I threw myself in the deep end with ankle weights on. But <laughs> what Hold we want breath. to do… your breath. You'll be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what we're planning at the moment is um, at the very end of this, we want to have a- an event. Which in the early stages right now is we want to have a music event, but we're also are going to put on a charity auction, and we've got a couple of sponsors behind us already, which is super exciting. We've got um, Peter Horriban, who's a big saddle making name in Australia, and he's going to custom make us two saddles for this ride oh, that we're wow, then going that's to be incredible. able. To, yeah, oh, and his saddles are beautiful, but we're going to be able to auction them off at the end, and we have a couple of other uh relatively big ticket items that have been donated for this. So what we're hoping to do is just raise a whole bunch of money for um especially drought affected farmers at the moment here, but for mental health as well. And it's one of those things where we started out and I'm like, yeah, how's this as an idea? And we're like, yeah, that sounds great. And like the reality of just how big this is is just about to like it's just been hitting us. But I am so excited to get out there and meet a whole bunch more amazing people. Like we talked about, like people are the highlight of these rides. And so I just cannot wait to get out there with Ben. He's, yeah, literally my idol. So when he, um, asked me if he, if I wanted to get in on a horseback riding tour at the end of last year, I was still out on trail on my first, um, Right in Australia, he called up. He's like, "Hey, how do you feel about this idea?" I had a little fangirl moment. Excuse I could me. Is this real life? <laughs> <laughs> I get to hang out and with you. This is the best. <laughs> awesome. Well, so- I'll tell you,
0: Jody, we are huge fans of yours here at Let Freedom Brain Podcast. You're such an inspiration. It's incredible to see all your growth and development in what seems to be a relatively short time span. But on the topic of support, how can folks find you, follow you, all of your content, things of that sort?
1: Uh, I spend the majority of my social media energy on Instagram. So if you want to go and follow the journey and go back and see all the places that I got to explore in Australia and the States over the past 12 months, then it's green, gold and blues. So green, gold, A and D blues with an S. And the way that that came about was that initially before I got cut off by the drought, I was planning on doing 3,300 miles in Australia and Australia is synonymous with green and gold. And because I'm writing for mental health and mental health awareness, um, and I had specific experience with depression, um, depression is also known as the blues. So it just kind of became green, gold, and blues. And it fits. It's perfect. It it does. It just kind of It was one of those things that just came to be, and it worked out really well.
0: Good, good, good. And being that you're a return guest, you know it's coming. I always ask the legacy question. So with the (laughs) caveat of, right, all of your experiences (laughs) since we last talked, is there anything that you would leave with listeners as far as lessons learned, life models, things of that sort?
1: So there was this little line that I heard when I was over in the States earlier this year which I really, really love and that actually did get me through a couple of times on the trail where I was just like, oh, this is too hard, this is ridiculous. And it doesn't really work without a southern accent and I can't do a southern accent.
0: <laughs> so we'll do it in um, Australia. But,
1: but <laughs> if you if try and think about this in a southern accent, then it does rhyme. And um, it's this little mantra called everything is either a lesson or a blessing. Yeah. which again, if you're in a Southern accent, that rhymes very, very nicely. But that was something that I did think about a lot when I was out on trail because everything that was really, really hard that I got through, that was a lesson for next time I came up against something similar and um, or other things. It was just a blessing that I was able to experience it. Or sometimes the bad things were a blessing because they were then taking me in a different direction, which in, um, in hindsight, it's actually been a good thing. So if you think about it, all of this started from a quite negative place and a quite negative experience, but it has created this amazing journey where I've been able to reach out and talk to so many incredible people. So as much as I wish that obviously it had never happened, this negative experience has really turned into an absolute blessing because I'm able to be here right now talking to you amongst every other amazing person that I've met along the way. So I think that's just like a perspective thing that's been really, really great for me.
0: Well, I'll tell you, Jody, we're very proud of all the work that you've done. We're very excited to see what the future holds with you and your endeavors with the Naked Farmer. And we're looking forward to future episodes. So we thank you for all of your contributions to everything that you've done here at Let Freedom Rain Podcast. And hopefully, we'll get another chance to talk to you down the
1: road. I cannot wait. Thank you so much for having me.
0: We'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Ciao. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Rain Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Rain Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast go to patreon.com forward slash let freedom rain podcast again we thank you and we'll see you on the next one